G'day guys, this is Mark Guy, and you are listening to Talking with TK. Welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. We are up to episode 99, and we've got one of the absolute legends and gentlemen of rugby league in none other than MG, Mark Geyer. MG, one of my favorite players growing up, you know, he just had that that switch between, you know, that intensity that he brought to the field, and he was just so explosive on that football field. A couple of the first grand finals I watched was that 90, 1990 and 1991 games against that Penrith played against Canberra. Of course, securing Penrith their first victory in 1991, and who could forget when Mark Guy came back from the sin bin, his impact on that game. That little that jump hug that he did with Roycey Simmons and Roycey scored that match-winning tries. It's something that I don't I don't even go for Penrith, and it's something that I'll never forget. But MG had a great career, probably a shorter career than he probably wanted. 180 first-grade games in the end. He represented both New South Wales and Australia, going on the 1990 Kangaroo Tour. Who can forget that 1991 little stouch that he had with the King Wally Lewis? But before we get MG on the show to share all the different stories. Thanks for tuning in today. If you haven't yet, please subscribe for free or you can check out all the old episodes at www.talkingwithtk.com. Whether it's league or any sport, we've got it covered. We've had the likes of Chief Paul Harrigan, Andrew Weddinghausen, Brett Kenny, Paul Sirenen, Bill Harrigan, Kurt Gidley, Mark Coyne, and plenty of the NRL players from today. If you're into some of the other sports, guys like Robbie Madison, Mark Hunt, Pat Cash, David Campisi, just a, a few to name across the 99 episodes that we've had so far. Please connect with me on Facebook. You can please like the page. It is Talking with TK. I'll keep you up to date and also have little snippets from all the different previews and upcoming guests that are coming on. Please also send me an email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. If you want to get in touch with me in terms of any suggestions for the show, in particular, I'd love always to hear from people that have guest requests, especially with season two coming up. I do, you know, obviously love my league and my union, but always happy to hear who would you like to see on the show. And, you know, be on the lookout for next week's episode as well. It's our 100th, and it's going to be with Alex McKinnon. I'll have a short preview for you midway through the show. But for now, I really want to get into this episode, and I introduce the legend, MG, Mark Geyer. Now, MG, thanks for stopping by talking with TK, mate. I really appreciate your time, buddy. It's been, for me growing up, you know, the two first grand finals that I've watched were Penrith vs. Canberra and Penrith vs. Canberra. But something I did notice, and I never noticed it until I watched the replay, Triple M actually sponsored, sleeve sponsored the Panthers in the year that you won. Do you believe kind of in, not fate or, you know, what's the word for it? Coincidence? Oh, I, I definitely do. Yeah, irony. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's... Uh... I remember that year, um, 91, we came down to uh, Bondi, yeah. where Triple M Studios were then. And there's a photo doing the rounds with Uncle Doug um, and his blessing, Brandy and Ben and Brad Fittler. Um, and it was on the front page of the, 
the mirror or whatever was back there. Yeah. And um, we had these big bomber jackets given to given to us that year that we also had um, on the right on the left hand side uh, the Triple M logo. So yeah, it's more than a coincidence, isn't it? That here I am. This is my tenth year being been working here. So. Um, Strange, the world goes in funny, funny, funny ways. Yeah, but it's just, it's not amazing that you've built this career because you've always been such a charismatic person. So it's no real surprise to see us seeing you kill it for the last 10 years. But do you sometimes surprise yourself how your, your life has kind of gone from being super, because you've, you've seen it all, kind of superstar footballer, facing adversity, having to rebuild yourself, hmm. and you've had to do this in all sorts of different areas. And then... What you've built now is outstanding. I think it's just reserves that you got your own your own show on the Arvo. So, oh look, it's been yeah. Thanks for that. But it's been a hard process. You know, I've had some really dark dark times. I've had some some absolutely jubilant times where um, you don't think you can get any higher as far as team sport goes. Winning a grand final with your mates was the best. Um, you know, and then three years later, after that, I was playing for your minor at Central Coast, and then I was over in Perth, and then had my first child in '95, and Came back to Penrith um, and basically had to build a lot of bridges to get them to agree to have me back um, at the foot of the mountains. And um, yeah, then I, you know, five kids later, and I, I basically, when I retired in 2000, I just said, you know, after what I've been through in the last decade, um, just don't say no to anything. Mm. Whatever comes your way, you know, because I wasn't really prepared to, to retire. I, I had no plan B. Um, I just thought I'd keep playing. You don't really. You know, it's it's hard to give away something that you've been doing since you were four years of age, and when you when that time comes, it's scary. And when I did it, I was lucky that I had a um, a bit of a mentor in Lou Zivanovic, who is still involved with the Penrith team, and he's got his own business, Cave Enterprises, and he had a uh, factory out west, out Penrith, basically manufacturing training clothes and Old scats, scats, yeah. scats sportswear. Yeah, that's the one, and. Stevie Carter was working for them. I said to Scott, do you reckon there's any more work for me there? And so I went from being on, I think I was on a 400 grand my last year of footy yeah. in 2000 to uh, 750 bucks a week with three kids and uh, a mortgage. So, you know, uh, reality hit me pretty suddenly with a thud. And uh, my first gig on in any sort of media was C91.3 at Campbelltown. Um, Rob Duckworth was the morning announcer down there and, I kind of knew him from the Triple M days, and um, he rang me one day and said, we need someone to do a footy tipping on the Friday, and then on a Monday we'll talk to you about the results. And I said, yes, yeah, sweet. I think I, they gave me 100 bucks a week for doing that. And, yeah. And then I, I did that, and then I did a bit of ABC radio commentary. Um, then I did a bit of 2UE, a bit of 2GB, uh, uh, talking sport, 2SM, for three or four years. And then uh, 2007, I did Monday Night Footy here at Triple M, and uh, a year and a half later, in that meantime, I was doing Dead Set Legends on a Saturday with Rabs and um, Dan Ganane and Billy uh, Billy Birmingham. Yeah. And then the breakfast show came up, and I auditioned, and luckily I got the got the part, and um, we celebrated nine years. Well, they cele- the boys and girls celebrated nine years. Uh, um, on the 16th of, uh, August and I started my show this year, which is the Rush Hour with MG, which I freaking love. It's absolutely I, brilliant. Yeah. Now, do you put all this, you know, the way you, when I talk to kids these days, 
It's like they want everything so quickly. They're not willing to no, do of that. Of course, that, I've got five of them. That groundwork. I know, I, know, I know. That story I love about you is your 12th birthday when your mum gives you those paddle pop sticks mm. and those values that she instilled in you from a young age. Yeah. Obviously, that still carries on to today because your willingness to put in the hard work, even though most people would say that you've already made it, you're still working as hard now as you did all those years ago. I'm you know? working harder now. Yeah. I'm working harder now, but well, I'm working harder in different avenues. I'm working harder now to make other people happier. Um, I used to work uh, really hard to make myself happy. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you have kids, you have got somebody else to worry about and think about. So your your whole focus changes and shifts, and mine did. Um, you know, I think my wife said a famous quote a few years ago to me that I'd never heard of before, but she said, to, to who much is given, much is expected. And it took me – and I, she wrote it down one night for me at home on a on a little post-it note, and I, I put it above my desk. Yeah. Um, and every morning I look at it and, you know, then that's why I kind of dived into charities as much as I have, you know, and when you can help somebody who's less fortunate than yourself, it's uh, it's a good feeling. Absolutely. Now, you just mentioned your wife, Megan, correct? So Megan, Ben, Greg, who do you meet first? Uh, Greg. met Greg first because I was playing under-23s at Penrith in 85 and 86. What was the relationship like? Was it just a high? Oh, he was you just, guys actually? He was, the, he was, he was, the, he was the mega yeah. god. He was the demigod. You know, he was. Did he? Have, did you have his poster on your wall? No, I didn't. I was, I was a Manly fan. Oh yeah. Until I played for Penrith here in '85, and um, you know, Graham Moody was and Terry Randall were two of my favourites growing up. And, yep. Um, yeah, I liked Manly, and then when I started to gravitate towards maybe going next level in footy, um, then I could I took a keen eye on Penrith, and it, quite, it coincided with Greg Alexander playing for Penrith because as soon as he went to Penrith, we kind of, the outside world went, where's Penrith? Like, who is this Penrith? Who's this superstar that is playing for Penrith, you know? And uh, I know he knocked back a big deal to go to, to Parramatta. And uh, he was he was our first really, um, first superstar we had at Penrith. And, you know, we, we'd chat and we'd talk. Brandy had his, you know, first grade mates and I yeah. had one of 23's mates. And I remember I met Megan one day, I was watching Ben and, Peter trial in the lower grades for Harold Matthews or SG Ball, and mm. I saw her with a group of her friends, and I was, you know, looking from afar and you were caught, caught, caught her eye, and you know, I, you know, I thought, you know, this she's pretty, and didn't really speak much to her then. And then I saw her one night at the club, and we get we got chatting, and and then um, presentation nineteen eighty six, she came, and that's basically when we, you know, first started talking, and from that day on, we, I basically lived at the Alexander house, and. Um. Yeah, we we had it, we hit it off straight away, you know, and uh, you know, got married in ninety 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 three, and uh, been together since nineteen eighty six. So it's been a good union. Absolutely, eighty six. You made your debut off the bench against Para against yes. the star started team. Yeah, was it like the last game at Para or something like that? It was. It was. It was. Um, and it was Ray Price and Mick Cronin's last game at Parramatta. Wow. And I, and back in them days, you could play under twenty threes. And then the reserve grade coach would say to the under-23s coach, who played well, and I'll give them a spot on the bench. They might yeah, get a run, yeah. but, you know, might get an extra 50 bucks if they get a run. Um, so I was lucky enough that I, got, I played in 23s that day. Then I got put on the bench for reserve grade. I got a run. Um, and then Tim Sheen said to the reserve grade coach, um, who you know who went well, he said, well, this young bloke come on and pre- went pretty well for the 15 minutes that he went on, so put him on the bench. So, so who was coach at the time? Tim Sheens. So Tim Sheens was first grade coach? Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, so I sat on the bench, and I think it was about 200 bucks if you got on for first grade, you know, which is a lot of money Cheering. back then. Yeah, I was, I was only on 1200 for the whole year, so. Yeah. Um, there was about five minutes to go, and the the phone rang, and Ronnie Oxley, our old, old trainer, said, Mountain, you're on. And uh, I said, oh, shit. Oh, wow. So I was just kind of, this it was a blur, you know. I, I, it was a TV game. What number were you wearing? I think 35. 36? Yeah, because they went into the, yeah, yeah. the orders back the, in the, the day. Same number I wore in 1923, that yeah, day yeah. in the second row. So. Have you still got the jersey? Yeah. Still got it. How are you so good? Yeah, so... Did you frame I, it up and stuff? No, I didn't. I, it's just, oh, like most of my, my, you know, um, most of my old jerseys and apparel, that's somewhere in a box at Mum's house up the Central Coast. Yep. Um, or, give, or a mate's got it somewhere or... Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was a, it's a lot of people like in... In the history books, it's got my made my debut in '87. Mm, in the bo- doggies in round twelve. Yeah, but in actual fact, I, the first time I ran into a first grade field was in 1986. Um, and Ray Warren, um, who was commentating, he said this young bloke running on the field with tape around his ears, and he's got more car, more strapping on his body than Cardigan Bay, which was a famous trotter back yeah. in the day. Yeah, I'd never heard of Cardigan Bay, and Dad said, "Oh, Cardigan Bay is a trotter, which really good trotter, which wears a lot of strapping." So. What do he call you? Could he say guy? Mark Geyer. Geyer. Geyer <laughs> <laughs> or Geyer? I went, wow. It was, yeah, because of the TV game, we went back to the Paramount Leagues Club and the game was up on the, um, replayed up on the screen and we're watching that and it was just a surreal feeling. What was the week like after your debut? Were you a bit of a prince at Penrith? Um, not really, no. I, I, I suppose, I think we went straight to Hawaii on a, on a trip away. Okay. So, because Brandy had been, Brandy went on the kangaroo tour. Yeah, 86, yeah. 86. And then as my relationship with Megan went to the next level, he, she was writing to him over on the kangaroo tour, saying that she's met a bloke and, you know, blah, blah. <laughs> and um, the next letter back, and he said he plays footy. And and then he goes, he plays for Penrith under-23s. And Brandy said, I hope it's not my guy. <laughs> And uh, yeah, you have to break the ice to Eddie that did bring Well, he was, he was fine. And then the day he got back, yeah, because uh, he turned 21 over in on the tour. So the day he got back, we had a party for him in the late December. Um, so you know, it was we, we, we've been best mates since. You know, we've our it's amazing how you know, far he's come as well as life after footy. And he's um, he was people forget how much of a freak he was on the footy field. Just some of the things he'd do would, you know, if he's playing these days, he'd be, you know, be on 1.2 mil. Guys, just a quick break in today's episode with MG. Now, next up on the Talking with TK podcast, it is our special edition 100th episode. And we've got a very, very special guest in none other than Alex McKinnon. Now, here is a quick little preview from next week's show with Alex. Yeah. I've changed a lot. I'm still the same person and I still have the same values, but I feel like, and this is probably the mindfulness coming out of me and and a a bit of a spiritual side that I've really found, um, I feel like I've really evolved as a person and I feel like that's what life's all about. It's about facing challenges um, head on, um, navigating your way through them and then evolving and I think once you can strip it all back and clearly see yourself like that and see each challenge like that and consciously when you're in, in tune with who you are, enter those situations and uh, whether you're ready for them or not, once you feel that challenge, once you overcome it 
and push through it, at the end you'll see a clear elevation of yourself and that's, that's where I'm at. I can, um, yeah, that's just where I've changed a lot. Um, I don't know whether I would have got to this point in my life um, spiritually or where I'm at right now if I didn't get injured and I'm, I don't really think about whether I got injured or whether I would want to go back to how I used to be. Um, the crazy thing in my mind says right now that I wouldn't change anything um, because how I sit right now inside my mind and my body and the position that I'm in as a person in my life right now, I wouldn't change it, which is alarms go off in my head. They really do when I say that because it just it's not the right thing to say. Some people would say, but because I feel like a lot of other people that that have had challenges and, and maybe even had a spinal cord injury, that if they could go back, they would. But I feel like me right now, I've absorbed everything that I've been through and everything that I'm going to go through, and I feel like I just want to change it. It's really weird for me to say that, but yeah. So guys, be on the lookout for next week's 100th episode. Please check out all the episodes at www talkingwithtk.com. They're all free there for you to listen to from the legends of NRL, rugby union, tennis, across pretty much any sport, boxing, UFC, soccer. We've got it all there for you. If you want to connect with me, please find me on Facebook. I'm at Talking With TK or send me any, any suggestions for the show or even if you just want to have a yarn, please send through anything at Tristan at talkingwithtk.com. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. So, 87, you got pretty sick, but didn't you? Because you spent a lot of time no, off the field and yeah. you come back for the Reggies because you made the grand final too, didn't you? Yes, we made the 86. Um, 85, I played every game off the bench that year as a 17 year old. Yeah. Playing against some pretty big units in under 23s. And then um, the next year, 86, I played the full year in the second row. We got to the grand final against South Sydney. Um, they beat us 13 0. And I started the year in the next year, in 87. Um, I, was, I think I was, I was training with first grade. Then I got pneumonia. Yeah. And I might have even, well, I can't remember the in chronological order of how, how it happened, but I might have played a couple of early games um, against maybe the Bulldogs in early. I'm not sure. But then I got crook. Yeah, really crook. And um, got pneumonia. Spent eight weeks out of the game. Come back through reserve grade. And Graham Murray was the coach, who was the coach the year before in under-23s as well. In 86, and I uh, mean him straight away hit it off. Uh, when I played in 23s, that was, and then... Was there a young coach as well? Because you had heaps of young coaches. Like, yeah. Fancy was young, Phil Gu- Gould was, was young. young. Gus yeah. was 32, and he, we coached us to a grand final. Um, he was only 28 when he coached the Bulldogs to a grand final. Yeah. That, like, that's unheard of, you know? Especially now. We, oh, yeah. you know, we were talking before about Wayne Bennett nearly turning 70 yeah. and trying to do it, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a contradiction, isn't it? But yeah, it was... Um, it was really good. We we beat Manly in the grand final, eleven nil, and uh, so I'm lucky. I've, I've played in for Penrith in three three different grades in three different grand finals. That would have been SCG too, uh, right? SCG, yeah. It was the last one. How did we Because did you play Manly in the grand final? We played Manly, and then Manly were in they the first grade against Canberra. Exactly. Yeah. That would have been pretty Canberra. unreal. And they would have had like the old hill and stuff like that. Oh, it was magic. It was magic. I think. Um, I think the reserve the twenty threes game went a little bit longer, so we got put put back a bit and um we're nervous in the corridors of the you look at all the faces on the walls of all these people who have been there before you and 
both in cricket and rugby league, and you go, man, this is – yeah, it was great playing out in the field. The first grand final in reserve grade won that, 11-0, and uh, then we come back and Ron Willie had uh, taken over in 88. Yeah. What did you do for work before they obviously made you a pro? Um, I was working with my mum at um, – it was called uh, Travenol Laboratories at Toongabby. Yeah. Where she was like a first hand, and I was in the I was in the uh, warehouse, and it's now called Baxter, now called Baxter, I think. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so I was working there every day, getting up at five thirty, starting at six, working till two thirty, coming home, going training, um, three days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday mornings, and playing usually on a Sunday. Were you still doing that during the grand final years? Uh, no, in the grand final years, I was I was in maintenance. <laughs> Whatever they call it. <laughs> was, yeah, well, maintenance is basically following the late, beautiful, great Steve Waddell around, who was a electrician and being his uh, his trade assistant, you know, passing him as a shifter. And most of the time we'd be sleep, we'd go to sleep, you know, because after a big Sunday on the drink, we'd go up and have a little sleep. And so I did that for two years in 88 and 89 and yep. maybe, maybe 90. And then I was in the, um, I went to marketing with uh, Royce. Royce was in charge of marketing and, I said, can I have a job in marketing? And got a job in that. And uh, in all my time of marketing, I saw one ad <laughs> in the magazine. Oh, my God. And I didn't know you had to send people invoice. So I just took the cash off the bloke and put it in my pocket. <laughs> 60 bucks from a hairdresser in uh, Katoomba. MG, <laughs> the 1990 Kangaroo Tour, you got selected on that. Who was your roomie on that tour? I uh, started off as Cardi. Cardi? Yeah, me and Cardi were roommates on the Kangaroo Tour. Um, but then he made, after the first game, we got beat. Um, by the Pommies. He made the test side after that. Yeah, so you were in the Emus, he's in the I Kangas. was in the Emus, yep. Yeah. Um, with, then, so Samin Gillespie got dropped back to the Emus, so he became my roommate, and his his roommate was Ciro. So Cardi went with Ciro and me and Cement roomed together, which was pretty crazy. Yeah, Ciro told me the other day when I had him on that he regrets 86 a little bit because he partied a little bit too much, and he wishes someone just pulled his yeah. pulled, pulled him in a little bit and said, look, you got to find your balance. How'd you go? Oh, I was fine. But I think Brad Fittler would say the same thing about 1990. Yeah. You know, he went away as an 86-kilo pr- prodigy, come back as a 101-kilo chunk, <laughs> chunk of love, you know. he's uh, And I, I think he'd probably say the same thing. But, well, you know, we're young kids. I had my 22nd birthday over there. You yeah. Know, it's, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. I think if you, you know, you can have regret. And I, I, look, Ciro was one of the... Saying that he did, he he held his own on the nineteen ninety kangaroo tour as well. Absolutely. He was he was our music man. He was our he'd be at the back of the bus and putting all the music on like he did for the Origin side this year. And that was a surreal experience um, going away on a kangaroo tour because all of a sudden you're on the same bus with blokes um, you don't know much about. You've seen a lot of the you know you played against them. You know the Balmain boys were good. Canberra Broncos. Mm. Um, How good was that second test, but when you guys were down? Oh, yeah. That try that ET set up for Cliff Lines that went through like a million hands. Old Trafford. And then the other one when Ricky ran from 10 metres yeah. out downfield, tried to find ET, and then found, found Malmeninga instead. That's still the most classic tries ever. Iconic. And Where were you boys sitting? We were sitting in the bench, on the bench in our suits with yeah. our, our scarves and our our gloves because it was about four degrees. And, um, Must have given you chills. Oh, it was but. fantastic. Because after the first test, it was a real downer. You know, we had all these support crew, supporting um, tours coming over on, uh, you know, watching us. Mm. And, you know, back at where we were staying in um, Manchester, it'd always be, you know, before the first test, it was all happy-go-lucky. But as soon as we got beat by the Palms, everything just changed for a while. 
And then we had to kind of, you know, we we're playing every Wednesday night, the, the emus, we were just, it was like a Kentucky tour for us. Oh, yeah. You know, we'd play Wednesday night, go have a drink that night, have a drink Thursday, have a drink on, maybe have train Friday, have a drink after that, go out Saturday night, have a few drinks, go to the big uh, big boys game on Sunday, which would be against Wigan or St. Helens or, um, you know, someone, a, a top side leads. Um, be one of us would be rostered on to be their ball boys, you know, make sure they got tape, make sure they've got water in the dressing room and yeah. then go out that night with them and then train Monday, Tuesday, play Wednesday, then repeat that for six weeks. It was it was amazing. And it's it's lifelong friendships are made. You know, every time you see you know, I see Gary Belcher now or Mal Meninga or Laurie Daly and Ricky Stewart and you know, the Walters the Walters twins up in Queensland and Mark Sargent at um Newcastle, it's just forever you're forever got a bond. Yeah, MG, were they able to jump you a little bit? Because, you know, today's day and age, we've got Super League on TV, we've got the internet so we can look at highlights. Back then, you guys wouldn't have known anything pretty much about the, the British boys at all, would no. you? No, well, I got, as soon as we arrived, I got tonsillitis. So the first game... <clears throat> would have been freezing too, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I, I used to get a lot in my playing career, maybe once or twice a year. It was due to nerves. Really? I put it down to, yeah. Wow. So I obviously, I got picked for the Wakefield game and I had to pull out. So my first game was at Cumbria, up in the up near Scotland, up there, and uh, we that played Cumbria. Was, oh, was, but I, I I just want to play for Australia. I put the jersey on yeah. for the first time, and and then when I, I got most improved on tour, you know, I got, we had an award ceremony at the end of it in um, uh, Kuala Lumpur. We were on the way back, yeah. we were having to buy each other a present, and uh, I got the uh, the award for most improved on tour, and made my test debut in in France in front of maybe. 500 people at Avignon. Um, that was a special moment. So, yeah, I was, I, I've got no regrets at all about the tour. Definitely. Now, I'm going to skip over the grand final because you've, you've spoken about that plenty of times. Now, I just want to take you back to your days at the Tigers, you know, yeah. where you've, you kind of hit your first bit of adversity. But I was just having a look at the stats. You only played 13 games, but you scored seven tries. So you were try-scoring freak. Uh, yeah, I know. You? I know. I, I, I don't know what it was about. I, I broke my thumb. Um in about, I don't know, wherever it was, halfway through the year. and So I was out for six weeks, um, but I, I seemed to be – so I didn't really want to be at Balmain. I, I, mm. you know, I didn't want to leave Penrith, but obviously it's well documented what I did. And um, once I got to Balmain, I just didn't feel, feel right. You know, it was such a, it was such a um, you know, career shift for me being a mountain man, all of a sudden being in the you know, inner city – um, that was, you know, we'd go out after a game instead of going back to Panthers, we'd go to the King's Cross. Yeah, okay. You know, because we're five minutes from there. Yeah. So, um, just yeah, threw you out kind of thing. Yeah, right? I did. Yeah. It was just a new world. And I, you know, some, some days I'd think about how I could get out of training, you know, and just, I did, I just didn't want to be there. But saying that, um, again, no regrets because some of the players, some, most of the blokes that I met at Balmain come to my wedding in 1993. Yeah, so. nice. Yeah. Um, so new team of the boys, so it was good. Yeah, they were a great bunch of blokes. Fantastic. Alan Jones was was my saviour. He kind of um, threw me a lifeline when no other club would. You know, I was, I was damaged goods by the time I was 25 years of age. Yeah, and then obviously you end up in your minor. So between getting from Balmain to your minor, like what happened there? What's How did you actually even get there? Um, well, Wayne Pierce, I started the pre-season in 94 with, with uh, Balmain. Mm-hmm. So I had a contract, and I quickly realised that this wasn't for me. You know, I just didn't want to commit to the Tigers like Junior wanted me to commit. Yeah. Um, 
I remember the year, the year before that, my uncle, who was president or, one of the, or secretary of the Yamino, he said, why don't you come over here in the bush for you, you know, good money? I said, mate, no way, I'll, I'll just play for the country and it's my state, you know. But in the end, I had to. Mm. I had a living. Um, so I went up to Yamino and uh, I remember when I, my first game I played up there was against Terrigal at Yamino. And they used to get about 800 people to a game and this day there was like 5,000. Really? At, Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, I was sitting in the dressing room before the game and I heard like helicopters. I loved all the news outlets would send news in Channel 7, Channel 9, yeah. Channel 10. There was three um, helicopters dropped their reporters off to get a glimpse of me in this, you know. First hit up, I got tackled by a couple of blokes and then held up and another five ran in and just pummeled me. You know? So they're targeting you oh, hard. They keep the shit out of me. Yeah. You know, they said basically, you know, are you getting all the attention at the moment? Let's. And even the, even the ball boy come in and kick me in the shins like a piss off back to Penrith, you know. And, yeah, but like, we won the comp and um, played in front of 10,000 people at Graham Park, which is now Blue Tongue Stadium. And, um, you know, so, again, you, you can't regret what you've done because you've done it. And if you start regretting it, you, it eats away at your core and um, you, you can't get on with life if you keep regretting things. So I'm lucky I've had my missus with me, Meg. She's been, you know, the rock of Gibraltar. Um, and without her, I don't know what I'd be doing. You mm. know, I, I speak quite honestly when I say that. Um, she was there when I needed her most, and and she was there when you know I was I was a mug as well. So the fact that we're still together thirty two years later is testimony not to me but to her. Guys, just another quick break in the episode with MG. Now, last week on the show, another NRL legend, in former Queensland great Kevin Campion. He's had quite the illustrious career. He's one of the toughest players that ever played the NRL. It was a great chat with Big Campo, and here is a little snippet from the chat with Campo. Alfie was one of those players that you always wanted to uh, play well for, you know, just to earn some respect of him. Um, I love playing with Brad Thorne. I thought he was, you know, it was, it was a bit, bit like Brad Clyde. And, you know, it was a, sort of the new Brad Clyde of that era. He could. He was just such a. A wonderful athlete, uh, big and strong, and, and had real, real big motor. He was always Did you have to tackling that training. But I tried to stay away from um, three people. It was uh, it was Thorny, Webby, and Petro, because uh, you know you're doing tackling practice with those three. They they want to hurt you, and, and I was you know even though people thought I was tough, I was a bit. I was a bit of a softy, to tell you the truth. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but Thorny, mate, he was a he was a tremendous uh, player. Look, you know, and I was lucky enough to play with some really good players. Like, you know, you know Anthony Mundine and and Darren Lockyer. You know, two and Stacey Jones. You know, just amazing, amazing athletes, but tremendous blokes. So please go back and check out that episode. If you haven't yet, you can subscribe for free. Easiest way, go to the website, www.talkingwithtk.com. There'll be links for all the different devices that you can subscribe for free on the show. Please get in touch. Connect with me. I'm at Talking With TK across my Facebook or also my Twitter. And it's Tristan Nell on my Instagram. I'm pretty active on my LinkedIn. It's just Tristan Cannell, which is K apostrophe N E double L. Or send me a quick email, Tristan at talkingwithtk.com. 
All right, guys, let's wrap this up with MG. A great man that you mentioned the other night on your show, you did the Sharky's greatest five of all time, and you put Sludge at number one, yeah. which I agree with. Now, he was in charge of the Western Reds in 95. Is there like a little story from how you signed with the Reds? Um, well, yeah, Sludge come after I'd signed. I, I signed with the Western Reds. I was at Balmain, and when I got a call from uh, Peter Mulholland, I said, mate, you know, we're you know putting a new team in in 95 in Perth, and I went, oh, Wow. So Gordon Allen, the CEO, and him came to Leichhardt over one day and when I was training, and this is this is when I had my broken thumb. I was out injured at Balmain, and um, they said, we've signed Brad McKay. Uh, he's going to be our captain. We want you to be our next signing. Yeah. We, we think you might attract some other players. And I, I said, I said, how much? You know, they said 180 grand a year for three years. And went, yep, done. So went through the rest of the 93, you know, knowing that I've got a contract at Western Reds. And once I was at Uminor, I kind of forgot about Western Reds and until it was time to go over there. And I'd, I'd lost a lot of weight. I'd, you know, I wasn't do, doing any weight training and I was abusing my body and, and you know, on the piss every day. And um, so I went over there and Meg's, you know, again, she was maybe seven, seven months pregnant. We went over there and for two weeks, we just stayed in a hotel and had, Room service every night, you know, club sandwiches, and and I got I put on about eight nine kilos. And I went up to you know one hundred and five, one hundred and seven, and and um, then I really I love. And then two games in, we we played St George first game, we beat them in front of twenty five thousand people at Wacker. Mm. Fantastic, forty two degrees heat it was, but we were used to. We trained in it all off season, so. Um, and then uh, second game, we said we got a call from. Um, one of the board members is saying that this John Rebo is starting up a rebel competition called Super League. Yeah. And we're going to be part of it. Um, so Ken Cowley um, and David Galba coming to Perth tomorrow night after the Sharks game um, to talk about it. And we went, geez, so you've all got to be at the Sheraton at midnight. So all, nice all, and secretive. Our, our whole team, Brad McCoy, was, he, was, he signed with the ARL, so... Uh, there's three or four of them did, but the rest uh, pledged our allegiance to this new competition. And you know, it was funny watching, you know, the blokes who were on the bench for reserve grade going in first. Kind of was in like, you know, status type order. You know, they'd go 20s in twenties reserve grade. Yeah, with the younger. Well, yeah. yeah, it was just. I think it was. They wanted twenty. They wanted thirty. Yeah, they wanted thirty players. So they picked the the thirty players they wanted. And watching people coming out of the the meetings, everyone was just like. Big smiles. Hot, like Cheshire Cats. <laughs> One boy did a car wheel. So I'm buying a BMW. Yes. I'm... So they, and then I realized why, because it was my turn and I went in and I said, well, what's going on? They said, this is, they brought it on a bit of paper, how much they're willing to pay me. And it was triple what I was on at, the, at that time. Um, so, you know, it was money I couldn't knock back. And then for signing with Super League, you get this amount as well. So it was just, it was monopoly money. It was crazy. Got me out of all my debt that I'd cured over the last three years. Yep. I had a lot of debt. I had a lot of people, a lot of money. Paid all that all that back. Um, and then, yeah, we, we, we were Super League. Um, we were aligned with Super League. So it was weird, you know. Then we had that mid, mid-year's challenge against the Pommies. And and then 97 came around pretty quickly. At the end of 97, about October, it was September, October, um, they said we're folding. We can't sustain a team over here anymore. And there's going to be a new team in Melbourne 
where John Rubo's going, he wants this these players to go to Melbourne, and my name wasn't on the list. So, your brother's was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, my brother's was, yeah. And so it was like another dozen of the Western Reds players, you know, Robbie Kearns and Rodney Howe, and um, but there's a few, there's five or six or seven of the other players who weren't. So um, we, me and my wife said, "What are we going to do?" I said, "I've got to, I've got to ring Royce at Penrith and see if there's any chance of me going back there." And I rang him up. He said, "Yeah," he said, "But because Super League was still paying my contract for two years um, uh, back at Penrith, so that Penrith got me for nothing. They just, you know, I went back there as a thirty-year-old and." Three of my best, three of my favourite years of my, of my life were back there um, because by this stage I had three kids, um, uh, and I was I was a mentor. I, I overnight became this mentor that I'd never really grasped in Perth. I was still partying like the the young blokes with my brother and his mates over in Perth, and wasn't you know doing the extras and stuff until I come back to Penrith and I realised that shit, this is real. I've got to knuckle down and. And, you know, I played every game in the first couple of years. I'd done it with my back. Had a discectomy in my back, which put me out for 12 weeks in 99. And then come back in 2000, and we made the semis. We got knocked out in the first round, in, I think, in Canberra. Or maybe we came fourth and we got another bite. I'm not sure. But, but yeah, I, I was ready to have another year, and Royce um, called me into his office, and he said, how are you feeling? I said, good, ready for offseason. He goes, I just want to show you something. And he he had a couple of um, TVs on his desk, and one was of me in my prime having a run. One was me in my last year in 2000, and he pressed play on both. And the one on the right with me in 2000 looked like he had paused. You it. slow mo, didn't you? Yeah, he was on slow mo. I'm going, is yeah. that me? Is that, how I'm, is that how I'm playing? He goes, yeah. I said, Fuck, no, I can't. I've got to give it up. He goes, well, mate, that's what, I don't want you to have a play a year too long and, you know, and not, make, not be in first grade. And finish your in, in reserve grade because that's that's where you're heading. Yeah. So I said, yeah. So that's where Lubo came in, and that's where we started the story. Last question, because I know you got to run. You know, you just talked about mentoring, and you know, early in your career, you know, leadership wasn't something that you looked at at all. You know, you were a free spirit, and you you performed on the field, and you probably just looked for yourself. Mm. You know, you talked about just being a mentor. Did you really enjoy that? And in terms of mentoring in that leadership side of yourself. Mm. Who over your career did you really admire in terms of leadership qualities and maybe something that you took from them and wanted to kind of spread to the to the new former Panthers that were coming through? Um, it's funny because I never really got taught how to be a mentor. No one teaches you these things. Like no one teaches you how to be a father. Mm. No one teaches you how to be a good husband. It's just like an on-the-job sort of it's, thing. It's, it's, it's no, there's no playbook. Yeah. You just get out there and do it. You try your hardest. That's, you know, that's a hard thing. That's why there's 51% of marriages ending divorce these days. It's... It's very hard to sustain mm. a marriage. It's it's give and take, and as I said, you've got to find the right partner. And um, but as far as footy goes, I I kind of just gravitated towards it when I came back. There was young blokes like the Puller Tour brothers, Tony and Frank. There was Ned Cadditch, um, Andrew Hinson, Fre- Freddie Peterson, Lee Hopkins. All these young blokes coming through Penrith, Bobby Thompsons, who were kind of in awe of me. And I thought, why? You mm. know, why? I'm just a bloody Sometimes your reputation procedure, and yeah. you don't see, it, but other people do. And so we started training, you know, doing extra training sessions with these young blokes. And I, I kind of made that our, you know, my issue. So did you call it? Yeah, yeah. I said okay. Like Simo, Royce kind of said to me, 
we've got these blokes coming through. I want you to so put me in a group with them as far as training goes. Put me when we did you know um, physical fitness. Uh, put me in the group with them to both push me and push them. Yeah. Would you give it to the boys? Like, oh yeah, I was yeah. fit. I was fit, very fit for a thirty-year-old. Yeah. You know, but as time went on, they caught me. You know, they 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 realised that with a lot of um, hard work comes great reward. And um, Tony Pultua in particular was one of them blokes. I, I roomed with him on the road everywhere we went, and yep. he's such a sensational bloke. Um, you know, I, I, I watch him from afar with his family, and uh, that's the thing about rugby league. It's um, for, you got friends forever. That's why it's so hard to to give up. You know, that's why Paul Gallen's playing another year. It's you're a long time retired. Um, but I'll, I'll go back to that saying that my wife gave me said to me that who much is given. I've been given a lot. I've been given you know such a great life, um, and it's only natural that I give some back. And I think that if more people had that attitude, um, it would be a lot better country to live in. Absolutely. Well, MG, let's leave it there because that's a brilliant way and a great message to, to end the podcast. Before I let you go, everyone get following MGs on Twitter or Instagram, Mark MG Gaia. Definitely check out his show, Triple M Rush Hour, 6 to 7 on Triple M. Or I, have, I catch up on the podcast. I love the podcast. Do the podcast. It is my commute to work. It's 20 minutes and it just kind of fits perfectly and I love it. So keep doing what you're doing, brother. You've also got your Panthers Fitness. Well, Panthers Fitness, uh, free to uh, join online. Go to the website, and uh, there might be a program for you. I think you've got to move your body every day. Just get 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 a friend. I agree. Tell a, you know, grab a mate and say, come on, let's do this. But, uh, you keep up the good work too, TK. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, brother. Nah, anytime. Let's do it again sometime. Love to. Brother. And that, guys, was the legend, MG himself, Mark Geyer. You know, please connect with him on his Twitter and Instagram and definitely check out the Rush Hour with MG, 6 to 7 p.m. It's an absolute brilliant show on Triple M. So definitely you'll get your footy fix and then cross all that. actually did a great interview with Andrew Bogut last week, so you can definitely check it out. If you haven't got time between the 6 and 7 p.m., like I said, subscribe to the podcast. It's pretty cool. I usually do it on my morning commute, listen back into MG. And Liam, they've got a fantastic show, so definitely give the boys some support. All right, guys, next week on the show, as mentioned, we've got Alex McKinnon. So it's going to be a bumper one. It is a long one. So for the 100th episode, it's going to be extra special. It's going to be about an hour and a half. Plenty of stories from Alex, plenty of inspiration, as we just saw from Mark Geyer as well. If it's your first time here, you can subscribe via any device, whether it's Android, iPhones, across the board check out www.talkingwithtk.com that will direct you probably to the easiest way for you to subscribe whether it's going to be iTunes Google Podcasts has also got an app as well as Spotify so please check out some of the old episodes with the NRL legends from today and the champions of today across a lot of different sports plenty for everyone to look out for there's 99 episodes for you to catch up for if you are just new to the show and like I said 100th episode next week with Alex McKinnon. So can't wait to bring you that show. Alright guys, that's it for episode 99. I'm Tristan Cannell and this was Talking with TK.